0: Of course, another year has just begun under the shadow of COVID, and uh, you might feel a little bit paralyzed by it all and a bit too anxious to think far past the next couple of days. Um, It's certainly very hard to plan anything, be it a church service or a social event or a or work or holiday. Um, But there are goals and priorities and ambitions that we can set for ourselves even right now. for how we navigate just today or the coming week or or this coming year or the rest of our lives. Um, On Tuesday morning, I spent a few hours in my car in Penrith um, uh, in a queue for COVID testing. Uh, It was a weird situation because I got there at about eight o'clock in the morning. There was hardly any traffic on the road until I got to Penrith CBD and found queues just snaking all through the the CBD because there's various points you can be tested in Penrith and there was a different queue for each one but you didn't know which queue you were joining and where you would end up because there were just queues snaking all over the place. The situation was bringing out the worst in everybody, uh, including me. Um, Everyone's goal was just to get tested as quickly as possible and get out of there. And everyone was very wary of other people who knew the sneaky little traffic tips of Penrith and might duck into the queue from a side street or something like that. And I did witness some ugliness along the way. But I wanna say that as a Christian, even in that situation, I should have a higher priority and a greater ambition than everybody else. Uh, Just as my ambition for my whole life should be greater than just getting the best for myself and for my family. What is a truly worthy ambition? Um, We're gonna be looking at some of Paul's prayers over January because Paul's prayers challenge our ambitions and our priorities. And our priorities do need to be challenged quite constantly because we often find ourselves caring too much about the wrong things today we're looking at uh, just verses 9 to 14 in colossians chapter 1 and uh, it's good for you to have that open because the words on the page are really where the action is so uh, i'd encourage you to have that open on your phone or or a bible in your lap and you'll see from verse 9 that paul had a very active and responsive prayer life Um, he prayed continually without ceasing doesn't mean he was 24-7 with half of his mind on God, uh, but rather I think that prayer was a constant and regular element of his life and he lived in relationship with God and so in a way he was always consciously depending on God for the various things he was holding up to God in prayer. And notice also that his prayer was, a res- was responsive to what he saw God doing. In the first paragraph there, he'd heard how God had been working in these people and he thought, well, I can see the great thing God is doing in these people I'm going to, and I'm just going to pray along with that and pray for more of it, which is in effect what he's doing here. And the heart of his prayer is verse 10, I think, here in Colossians chapter 1, which is that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. So there is a worthy ambition, a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing to Him in every way. For every moment that should be our ambition, every day, every week, every year, and for our whole lives, a worthy and pleasing life for the Lord. So when you're frustrated in the COVID queue and someone tries to cut in on you, uh, or when you're making decisions that are going to affect your whole life, what is worthy of the Lord? What is going to please Him? Those are the big questions. Now, what does it mean to be worthy of the Lord? Um, it's probably worth reflecting on who the Lord is if we're going to uh, get a sense for what is being said here. In verse 3, Paul refers to our Lord, Jesus Christ. So it's worthy of Jesus Christ. So if I'm thinking about a life that's worthy of Him, then I might ask, what kind of life could I live that is worthy of the Son of God who came down from heaven into this world as a human being? who subjected himself to the cruelty and the injustice of people who uh, shamed him and took his life, even though he didn't deserve it and he didn't complain. And he did that out of mercy and love for me. But now he is seated at the right hand of God in glory and he's ruling the world. So what kind of life could I possibly live that is worthy of him? He's very different to me in lots of ways. And so Christians have a a lot to live up to But if we are following a billion dollar saviour then we must not be content with a 10 cent life if you know what i mean our goal shouldn't just be that our lives are worthy of the lord furthermore but that they actually please the lord Uh, we're not just trying to honor an absent hero we're trying to please a living king and lord and it is possible to please the lord jesus in what we do when you make a decision that's worthy of the lord jesus that decision pleases him it brings him pleasure Um, we might imagine him smiling or saying to the angel who's standing nearby look at that wasn't that great didn't he do well didn't she do well in that situation we are able to please the Lord and it should be our aim to please the Lord Jesus in everything we do as well as our whole lives and that should be a far bigger aim than pleasing ourselves or getting where we want to go But the thing is, how can we tell what pleases the Lord? How do you know what is worthy of Him? Uh, In order that they may live a worthy and pleasing life, Paul prays that God gives them the knowledge of His will in verse 9. So, knowing that life. Paul prays that God would fill them with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, often when people talk about knowing God's will, they're talking about, knowing which job God wants them to take or which person God wants them to marry or where God wants them to live but it's not talking about that sort of directional will uh, if I could call it that this is I think more talking about how God wants us to be how he wants us to respond in various situations what his moral commands are what is the right thing to do in this situation uh, what is worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him And this is not just a matter of being clever and having head knowledge, the knowledge of His will. Um, After all, there are some very clever people who are also very morally ignorant. This knowledge comes from spiritual wisdom and understanding. That is, a spirit-given sense of what God approves and what God disapproves. If you were to ask my children, they would have a pretty good idea of what I like and what I don't like. I mean, they've been living with me for a while now. Uh, They've tested my boundaries on various issues and they know what I care about and what I don't, sort of. Uh, They know that I'm more of a pushover than their mother when it comes to screen time and junk food and stuff like that. But they know that if they tell a lie, I will go absolutely crazy Uh, or if they step on one of the plants that I've planted in the yard, I will also go absolutely bonkers. Now, my sensitivities are not necessarily all that balanced or reasonable but my kids know my sensitivities because they know me. With spiritual wisdom and understanding, which gives a knowledge of God's will, those who know God know what he wants. And unlike my sensitivities, God's sensitivities reflect his perfect character. And in fact, they're the very definition of what's right and what's wrong, what God wants and what he doesn't want. Now, how do we get to know this God and how do we get to know his will? And attain spiritual wisdom and understanding well it's through his word it's through the bible with the help of the holy spirit when you listen to god speak regularly and consistently you get to know him when you get to know the bible and you try to actually put it into practice in your life you get a sense of how god would have you respond and how god would have you live And Paul prays for a filling with this knowledge of God's will, a strong sense of God's will in each and every situation informed by the Bible and an inclination towards doing what God wants. There's a very big difference, uh, perhaps, between people who are very wise and clever in a worldly sense and those who have spiritual wisdom and understanding. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that... uh, people who cut a fine figure in the world must also have a big influence in the church because they're the people who really know how to get stuff done and that sort of thing but spiritual wisdom and understanding are of a totally different order to just having worldly smarts and we should all want spiritual wisdom and understanding we should all want a greater knowledge of God's will Because without that, how would we know what's worthy of the Lord? And how would we know what actually pleases the Lord if you don't know His will, if you don't actually know God? It's a little bit like buying the perfect Christmas present. Um, I do a little bit of Christmas shopping and I was designated somebody to buy a present for this Christmas. So I went shopping a few weeks ago, went to the bookshop. I bought a book by, um, you know, Stan Grant. He's a sort of a current affairs type person. Head's shaking, doesn't matter. Anyway, I thought, well... You know, this is probably an intelligent, it's, it's it was sort of about what's wrong with the world at the moment. I thought, well, maybe this person will find this interesting, I'll buy this, it's probably well written, he's a journalist after all. Anyway, I was having lunch with the guy that I'd bought the present for about a week before Christmas and we were just talking and he said, uh, almost out of the blue, he, he just kind of said, oh, that's Stan Grant guy, I can't stand him. And I thought, oh. So back to the shops. Turned out what he really wanted was a big chopping knife for the kitchen. So that's what I bought him. Now I have to read a book by Stan Grant, it would seem. But anyway, um, you might think you've got the perfect present, but if you don't know the person, you don't know what they like, you don't know whether what you have is pleasing to them. And a lot of people, I think, will, in the end, they'll present their lives to God and they'll say, there you go, God, pretty good life, hey? And God will say, you didn't bother to learn what my will is. You don't know what's pleasing to me. You don't know what's worthy of me. Um, You never bothered to learn. So, uh, we need to pray. A prayer for the knowledge of God's will and for spiritual wisdom and understanding is a very important prayer. Paul goes on to pray for a number of elements of a life that's worthy and pleasing. So, how to live that life. What does this knowledge of God's will produce in our lives? Well, there are four elements to this life. The first is bearing fruit in every good work. In verse 6, Paul noted that the gospel was bearing fruit in the world. Um, But in verse 10 he prays for more of it in the lives of these people and he describes the fruit of the gospel as every good work so that is the fruit that the gospel bears if you believe the gospel if you put your trust in jesus what kind of effect will it have on you well one of those fruits will be that you'll start doing good works you'll start doing good things for other people Um, that's part of a life that's worthy of the lord and that pleases the lord Um, My family watched the movie Chariots of Fire not so long ago and at one point uh, the Christian runner Eric Liddell, uh, he's explaining to his sister why he wants to run in the Olympics and he says, God made me fast and when I run I feel his pleasure. Now I don't know if Eric Liddell ever actually said that or whether it's just a line that the the movie writers put on his lips, Um, but I'm actually not sure how much spiritual wisdom and understanding there is in that line, when I run I feel his pleasure. Um, when are we justified in saying that we feel God's pleasure? Well, surely it's when we do the things that we read about in the Bible that please God, and in this case, one of them is good works for other people. Uh, Just like it brings me pleasure when the fruit trees in my backyard actually produce some fruit, it brings God pleasure when Christians, his people, produce good works. So there's a challenge for us to be thinking about how we can be producing the good works that God is giving us to do. The second element in this life that's pleasing to God is growing in the knowledge of God. We're not just supposed to know His will, we're actually supposed to know Him. As human beings, we we were created for relationship with God. As Christians, we were reconciled for relationship with God. And in heaven, what's it going to be all about? It's going to be all about relationship with God, being near to God. That's the essence of heaven. And so i hope that you want to grow closer and closer to god i sometimes like thinking about enoch who's a character who pops up just as a little cameo in the bible in the genealogy of genesis chapter 5. very little is said about enoch all it says about him is enoch walked faithfully with god and then he was no more because god took him away Um, that was enoch's claim to fame he walked with god And everyone else in that genealogy is said to have died but not enoch god just took him away almost as if enoch walked with god in his life and then god said i'm going to draw you even closer to me now and took him away to be with him it's a wonderful glorious thing to be able to say of someone he walks with god or she walks with god they know god what an incredible thing that is and there is no greater ambition in life than to want to grow In our knowledge of god closer and closer to god himself that's the third there's the second element of a life that's pleasing to him the third element is being strengthened for endurance and patience Uh, verse 11 being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience i don't know if it's a bit of a surprise to you that when the glorious might of God empowers a person. The result is not that they're able to do wonderful superhuman things like leaping tall buildings in a single bound. No, the result of glo- God's glorious might empowering someone is that they can endure patiently as a Christian in this world. doesn't sound so, uh, so spectacular, but it is really quite amazing. I suppose it's a little bit like with a tree. You don't judge the strength of a tree by how tall it is and how many leaves it has. You judge the strength of a tree by what happens when a hurricane hits that tree and whether it's knocked over or whether it's still standing and how well it recovers. Uh, Christian's strength is like that. It's about endurance and patience in faithfulness and obedience to God. Um, I don't need to tell you that this is not exactly the age of endurance and patience. This is sort of more the age of uh, quick fixes and moving on. Um, if you can't afford something, you can have it anyway on credit. Uh, if your job's a drag, then you just quit and get another job. Uh, if somebody's annoying you, then you just unfriend them and you don't have to put up with them anymore. If you're in pain, then there's medication that you can take. It doesn't seem to be much need for endurance and patience in this day and age. But if you're a Christian, then you are still called for. Uh, you are still called upon to exercise endurance and patience and you will need it if you're going to last as a Christian until the end and we rely on the power of God to give the patient endurance that we need to go the distance. For me when I think about my own life and my own ministry and and the things that I pray for it's good to be reminded that the life that is worthy of the Lord is a life of endurance and patience and so I just have to keep at it no matter what. So that's the third element of a life that's pleasing to him the fourth is giving joyful thanks to the father sometimes we think we all we think about is the things that we don't have that which we we really want uh, and it sort of blocks out in our minds the things that we already have and stops us from feeling the joyful thanks that we really should be feeling as christians if you're a believer in jesus what is it that that you have well in verse 12 it says that God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. That's a pretty amazing sentence, isn't it? I mean, if you're a Christian, then little old you, little old me, we have a place in the kingdom of light and we have an inheritance amongst the saints, God's holy people, just simply because we believe in Christ, not because we deserve it. And this reminds us that the only reason that we can contemplate living a life worthy of the Lord... And pleasing to him is that he has already saved us verses 13 and 14 say for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins so if you're a truster in Jesus then you have already been transferred from one dominion into another dominion you were in the dominion of darkness Everyone who doesn't know Jesus, who hasn't been reconciled to God, is in the dominion of darkness. They're under the power and the authority of darkness. But if you're a believer in Jesus, you have been rescued into the kingdom of the Son that God loves. From slavery and judgment to redemption and forgiveness. And that really is incredible. And this is why joyful thanks has to be the mark of true Christianity. Uh, We should meditate on these truths until we feel the joyful thanks that we've been transferred from darkness into the kingdom of the sun. And this, of course, is also why we would want to live a life that's worthy of the Lord and why we would want to please him because he has already done so much for us. So I would encourage you, in the midst of everything that's going on at the moment and with a new year just beginning and perhaps you're thinking ahead to what this year holds for you, To aim for more than just survival and to plan for more than just holidays and get-togethers and to pray for more than just a trouble-free life. Aim to live a life that is worthy of the Lord. Aim to please the Lord in the way that you live your life. Plan to grow in the knowledge of His will and to grow to know Him better. Plan to be a student of the Bible this year to learn more about God, to put more of the Bible into practice, to work more of it through so that you do have a knowledge of his will and draw near to God himself in the process. And plan the good works that you are going to do. Um, I think sometimes we just wander through life and we think, oh, I'll do some good works if I find something to do along the way. Plan the good works. Who are the people you're going to help? Uh, The time and money that you're going to give? Why shouldn't we plan those things in advance? And pray for spiritual wisdom and understanding. Pray for strength to endure patiently as a Christian. Pray for increasing joy and thanksgiving. And pray that in walking with God, you'll bring him glory and you'll also bring him pleasure. Put a smile on his face as you serve him. So let me begin now by uh, uh, asking for God's help for us tonight. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you that you have rescued us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son you love. We thank you, Lord, that we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And we pray, Lord, that in response to that, that you would incline us to want to live a life that's worthy of you, and to please you in everything that we do please help us to keep learning um, how to do that Uh, help us to endure patiently to be thankful and joyful and lord help us to do the good works that you've prepared in advance for us to do father we we, uh, we commit this year to you and we ask that you would use us to bring you much glory and to please you and we pray in jesus name amen